0: Hello everyone, this episode of the podcast was brought to you by Audible.com. If you want to download a free audiobook, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacherluke, or just click on one of the pictures on my website that says Audible. Okay, now let's get started. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. How are you? Hope you're fine as usual. Um, It's still absolutely boiling hot here, um, completely sweltering, and uh, the the heat wave continues. I think this is a heat wave which is um, all over sort of this part of Europe. Certainly, the UK, France, the Netherlands, and so on. It's uh, it's boiling hot at the moment, um, and I'm. It's just a couple of days ago, it was thirty nine degrees. Um, it still feels about the same level of heat. Uh, just yesterday evening, I was with my wife in the kitchen, and the floor the floor tiles of the kitchen were actually warm under our feet. They were warmer than our feet. It was like being in a Turkish bath or something. Um, it's just completely sweltering. We're, we are in the top of our building, so we're kind of in the top, in the roof, as it were, and I think a lot of the heat comes up through the building, and it sort of collects in our apartment basically also directly above our heads we have the, the the roof of the whole building and as you know in paris the roofs are covered in lead you know that kind of heavy metal Uh, They cover the rooftops in lead here, so I think that the lead absorbs a lot of the heat. And then in the evening, even after the sun has gone down, the heat is still there because it's been kind of absorbed by the, the roof and all the heat in the building has gone up to the top. So we're just completely boiling hot. But one thing's nice, and that's that at night we lie on the bed with the window open, kind of have the window wide open right next to the bed, and if you stay still for a long time, eventually you cool down, and there's a nice, cool breeze that drifts through the window, and it cools us down quite nicely. Um, I remember a few little tips or tricks for keeping yourself cool in the hot weather. These are things I learned in Japan. And um, one of those one of those things is that you just stay perfectly still. You just just chill out completely and relax. Don't get stressed out or anything. Don't try to live like you normally live. you just got to slow down, stop and relax. And that's the best way to keep cool. You might want to put on a bit of nice, atmospheric, chilled out music, for example, uh, which is what you can hear in the background of this episode. I'm using that as a way of just keeping myself cool and calm and collected during this heat wave. And when things get hot, Especially in a crowded city like this, people tend to get a bit stressed out, and I can sense that you know on the metro and in the street people are a little bit stressed out because of the heat. You know what you got to do? You just got to go home and just chill, basically. Um, another tip is to take a flannel. Do you know what a flannel is? It's basically it's basically like a little towel, uh, but only big enough to to wash your face, right? Like a little face towel, um, and make it wet. Just wet wet it under the tap and what you can do is you can either sort of use that wet towel to kind of uh, rub cool water on your skin when you lie in bed and it it keeps you nice and cool or you put the towel in the fridge and then later on you take it out after a couple of hours you take it out of the fridge and you just you know, you can put it on the back of your neck. You can just use it to mop your brow and uh, just hold it against your skin. And it's really, really nice as a way of cooling you down. Um, other things I remember are that um, if you've got an empty bottle, for example, an empty plastic bottle of water, you've had all the water, you just fill it up again with water, close the lid, stick it in the freezer for a while. And when it comes out, uh, after again, after a few hours, it's solid. It's a solid block of ice, basically. So you can use that as a way of kind of cooling you down a little bit. Um, I used to put them in my bed. I used to freeze a few bottles of water and then I would place them in the bed. Um, and then when I actually went to bed, the bed would be all cool and, and sort of cold. Um, admittedly, the bottles tend to get a little bit wet on the outside because of condensation. But I mean, you're always a bit sort of sweaty anyway when it's hot. So as long as the waters and the dampness is cool, then that's all right. Other things I used to do would be to put those frozen bottles of water under my pillow uh, and that kind of like gives you a little bit of coolness on the back of your neck as well. There are loads of different things. Other stuff, I mean just basic stuff, you've got to make sure that the windows are open on both sides of your house or, or your apartment so that you can get a through breeze, you see? don't just have one window open. You need to go through the flat and open a window on the other side so that the breeze can move through the uh, apartment. And then you get a nice cool through breeze, you see. Um, I've tried other things, but they don't seem to be working. For example, I've closed the blinds on the outside of the, the windows so that no light goes in at all. And I thought that might keep the place cool, but it still seems to be just as hot as it was before. Um, So very hot here, and uh, I think it's the same in in many of the neighbouring countries in this part of the world. Um, And um, it's not that bad. I quite like it, really. Even though, um, at times, it gets a little bit uncomfortable, I actually quite like it. Um, Just a few things to mention before I get started with this episode properly. And one of those things is that uh, I just wanted to recommend that you join the mailing list... If you go to teacherloop.co.uk, on the right-hand side near the top, you'll see a little place where you can add your email address and you can just join the mailing list. And I certainly won't use that to spam you with anything. There'll be absolutely no spam. In fact, I rarely contact you through the email list. Uh, the, the only thing you'll you'll get is a um, an email every time I upload an episode or a post onto the website. Okay, so that's just a convenient way for you to keep up with all the episodes of Luke's English Podcast or other stuff that I might post there. Usually it's um, an audio episode. Sometimes I'll post other things there. Um, um, for example, from time to time I write little messages to my listeners, uh, even though there's no audio attached. So it's just a good way to keep up with like, the latest news and what's going on and things like that. So you can join the mailing list. Second thing is um, like the Facebook page. If you haven't already liked... Um, us on Facebook. I say us. Uh, I, I mean me. Is it me? I say us, meaning like the team of Luke's English Podcast, which I consider to be not just me. It's also me and my computer. Um, so yeah. Anyway, like the Facebook page. Um, you might not. You might not be on Facebook, which is fine. Um, you know, don't sort of go onto Facebook just so you can like the page. But if you're on Facebook already and you haven't liked the page, just check out Luke's English podcast on Facebook and like it. Like it. I'm trying to get to 10,000 likes. You know, I'm just trying to spread the word on on uh, the social networks. Frankly, I think that not enough people know about this podcast, and so I'd like to kind of, you know, get the... get the uh, what's the word for it? Get the um, sort of status of the podcast a little bit higher, just so that people know about it. Um... Leave your comments on the website. That's another thing I'd like to tell you. I always invite you to leave comments on the website. It's just a nice way of kind of staying in touch with my listeners. And it's a way for you to practice your English a little bit by leaving some comments. Um, If you fancy it, you can donate to this podcast. It's a good way of kind of showing your support. If you value what I do and you want me to continue and you want me to be able to continue, you can always donate. And there are little buttons that say donate on the website. And you can just click one and it's very simple and safe. Um, Another thing you could do is take advantage of the audiobook offer, Um, you know, the Audible offer. I'll tell you more about it in the little promotional one-minute spot that I'll do later on in this episode, but you can take advantage of that audiobook offer. Um, And generally, just check out the various features that you can find on teacherluke.co.uk, including um, things that you might not have discovered or might not uh, have been aware of. There are a few Easter eggs on the website. You can find some music mixes. There are, in fact, uh, currently four music mixes for you to check out. And these are uh, sort of musical selections with often some of them have little bits of talking and comedy stuff in there too. Uh, For example, at least I think one or two of them feature my brother and me doing voices and things. So that's quite fun. Check out the music mixes. You can find them on the site. There are also pages with funny jokes and cartoons for you to check out. Uh, There are pages that allow you to contact me by sending emails. you can check out all the transcripts that are available for this podcast. You can check out the uh, little uh, other side project called A Phrasal Verb A Day. And there are, you know, over 100 episodes of A Phrasal Verb A Day for you to check out. And also other stuff uh, in the episode archive for Luke's English podcast. So uh, just a few suggestions there. Check out teacherluke.co.uk. There are worse things that you could do. Let me put it that way. Um, So what's this episode all about? Well, this is kind of part two Uh, of an episode I did a few episodes ago. Is that clear? So, I think it was episode 282. Is that right? Something like that. About episode 282, I did one called, yeah, questions from teacher.ru. So, if you've listened to that, then you'll know the score. Basically, what happened was I was featured... um, on this website called teacher.ru. It's a Russian website for teachers. Um, I was featured on there. I was invited to um, write a little article with a biography of my work and my podcast, and then um, readers of the website um, sent me their questions, and I just basically chose a few questions to respond to. All of those questions and answers have been published on teacher.ru. Um, But with the permission of the website, I've also decided to turn the whole thing into a podcast. So what I'm doing is going through a selection of those questions that I received from um, users of uh, this Russian website for teachers. Uh, Russia is one of my sort of uh, top uh, countries for the podcast. But, of course, there are plenty of other countries who um, support Luke's English podcast and seem to like it. And I just want to give a shout out to some of those countries. What are they? Um, let me just have a little look on the website, which gives me some stats, so I can see uh, which countries tend to download this podcast uh, the most. We have, um, let's see, let's see, let's see here, let's see. Okay, if you actually, if you go to teacherluke.co.uk, there is a little widget on the side of the page that says visitors, and it gives you an idea of uh, it gives you an idea of who's checking out the website. Um, oh, this is interesting. Okay, so today. Today, the top visitor today is Vietnam, followed by uh, Russia. God, there's a huge list of of visitors today. This is massive. All right, so people from 82 countries have had a look at my website today. Um, And... um, so Vietnam are the first, and they, 221 visitors from Vietnam uh, were on the website. The last one was three seconds ago. Uh, the second in the list for visitors today is Russia, then the United Kingdom, then Spain, then, the, then Ukraine, then Japan, then Poland, then Italy, then the United States, then Brazil, then China, Germany, India, Taiwan, South Korea, France, Hungary, Czech Republic, Turkey... Argentina, Hong Kong, Australia, Egypt, Belarus, Mexico, Singapore, Thailand, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. That's the top 30 visitors uh, to this website. There are others too. I mean, for example, I get download statistics from Audio Aud- 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 Boom. And they usually tell me that there's loads of people in the UK, in Russia, in Japan, in Poland, in Italy, in Brazil, and so on. Um, but it seems that Russia is, is often near the top of that list, so I've got lots of Russian listeners. But I just wanted to remind you, if you're not Russian, I still love you, okay? I still love you, even if you're not Russian. Um, okay. And I was considering then making a joke using the word Russian. You know? Like, uh, I expect you'll be Russian to download this new episode of the podcast... Okay, it's just a joke. Um, Right, so let's get let's carry on. I'm just going to try and get through as many of these questions as I can. Um, Let's see. Okay, so our first one, and I'm not sure which is the first or second name, but this is from Babikov Gleb from um, an educational institution in Moscow, and he says, "Greetings, Luke." Nowadays, almost every educator in Russia teaches English using textbooks and school uh, and common school programs. Don't you think that teachers should develop more effective ways of teaching students? Well, this is what I wrote. Hi, Babakov. If indeed that is your first name, I think teachers should always be looking for new ways to develop their teaching. Um, We constantly have to come up with engaging and effective teaching methods. And that means understanding how people think, the cultural reference points and so on. It's often necessary to make your own materials which are adapted from authentic sources and which more specifically are suited to that group of students. So I think thinking outside the box, focusing specifically on the needs of the students and coming up with new materials regularly... Are all important ways of developing our teaching skills? Thank you for the question. Okay. Now, I've just answered that question, but I wanted to say, just wanted to remind you that you can find a lot of this written on the page for this episode. So if you want to actually read the words and check it out that way, that's a, that's a way that you can do that. Uh, next one comes from Roman uh, in Moscow, and he says, To my mind, every man should be a gentleman, and I would like to know your opinion. Is it essential for a young man to be a gentleman? Thank you. Hmm, interesting question. Well, Roman, if if by being a gentleman, if if by being a gentleman you mean being polite, respectful, and considerate, then yes, I think young men should be like gentlemen. Uh, they can act like gentlemen, but not necessarily look or sound like the classic image of the British gentleman, right? So I think it's possible to be a gentleman without looking like a gentleman if you see what I mean. Like, you don't have to wear a suit and have an umbrella and a a hat and everything. Um, To be honest, I hope that everyone... I hope everyone uh, lives like a gentleman. I hope everyone... What? uh, uh, Okay, I'm I'm struggling to understand what I wrote, but I'm just going to read it and see if it makes sense. To be honest, I hope everyone lived like gentlemen if it meant treating other people with respect. Okay. The cliche of the gentleman in a suit and a hat is only something you see in movies these days. Thank you for the question. By the way, I did a podcast episode about this subject recently and you can listen to it on uh, my website. It's episode number 260. It was called Kingsman, The Secret Service, which is a, a recent film which uh, is all about sort of being a gentleman and the values of being a gentleman. And it's also about sort of uh, punching people in the face as well, which is it's fine, it's a bit of fun. Um, Sergei from Moscow says, uh, hello, Luke, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you been scared or were you scared when you started to make blogs? Were, they, were there any negative comments? Um, well, Sergey, first of all, it, it's not a blog, it's a podcast, but that's okay. Um, generally, the feedback I get from my podcast is positive. In fact, it's pretty much overwhelmingly positive, which is really nice. Uh, I'm very aware that the internet is a place where people can be strongly criticised. You know, it's it's a place where people do lots of public shaming. People can be pretty mean and horrible on the internet, you know, trolling and shaming and stuff like that. Sometimes you get aggressive users, or trolls as they're called, who might write very harsh comments about you online. But generally, 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 see it's so hot that my face isn't working properly. Uh, Generally, and that includes my mouth, okay? When I say my face, I'm talking about my mouth. Also, my brain. Just the whole thing's not working. It's all gone to pot, you might say. Huh, okay. Generally, comments on my website are from very enthusiastic English learners. So everything's nice. I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm revealing a lot about myself in my episodes. So that is something I think about a lot. Sometimes I'm a bit worried that I say too much about myself. I'm just... Uh, not only am I revealing all these things about myself, but I'm doing it all for free. Uh, so that does worry me sometimes. But generally speaking, um, no, I don't get many negative comments, which is nice. It obviously means that, you know, the people who listen to my podcast are just nice people. Uh, I, but I hope also it means that generally my work is considered to be okay, you know? Um, but no, I do get, I often get scared about. The content that I upload on here, and I sometimes worry about some of the things i've said um, and whether it's too revealing and if I'm maybe giving up too much of my private life on the internet, is that a wise thing to do? Uh, well, who knows we'll see sometimes I think when i'm teaching and I'm teaching students at university or at the British Council, sometimes I think well it's important that i um give the right image certainly at the beginning of the course i want to show myself as professional and trustworthy and all that sort of thing and sometimes i wonder maybe they've seen some of my content online like some of those slightly funny and ridiculous episodes that, of my podcast that i've done what are people going to going to think but i suppose i shouldn't be negative you know it's important to be beat, to be positive so i should probably look on the bright side and just think well why would, they, why would they find that negative? Surely that's a positive thing, that they'll see that I'm a committed and dedicated and, some might say, a talented teacher who does lots of work and cares about what they do. Surely it's a positive thing. Okay, well, thanks, Sergei. I'm, I've changed my mind about that. And I would say, no, I don't worry about it as much as I did, say, five minutes ago. In fact, I tend to find it to be quite an encouraging and positive thing that I've, do- I've been doing this podcast. Um, let's see. Alina. I think that's your first name, although I got it wrong originally. Uh, Alina is from Moscow, and she said, um, Hello, Luke. How did you decide to become a teacher? What attracted you to work in Japan? And do the Japanese students wear school uniforms? Um, what do you think about whether Russian students should wear school uniforms? School uniforms let students be equal. Without school uniforms, complexes and envy may arise among students. Don't you agree with that? Thanks. I believe you will answer me. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Well, Alina, you believed correctly because here I am answering you now. So, So, okay. Your first question was, how did you decide to become a teacher and what attracted you to Japan? Well, I did a podcast episode all about living in Japan and I think I've probably talked about my reasons for becoming a teacher on this podcast before, so there's no need to go through all of that again. Um, But uh, if you're interested in hearing what I thought about working in Japan, then you can listen to an episode all about that. It's kind of a long anecdote which explains uh, some of the experiences I had while living in Japan, including how I ended up sick and living Uh, in a hospital bed for two weeks or more. And you can listen to that episode. Just go to the website and find episode 118, 118. It's called Sick in Japan. You can hear the whole story there. It's quite a popular episode, that one. Um, Now, um, in that episode, I talk about my reasons for going to Japan and some of the experiences I had Um, about school uniforms. Well, I don't really know about Russian students and school uniforms. I don't know, you know, to what extent Russians wear uniforms do Russian people wear uniforms? In fact, um, I mean, I know that in Japan they wear uniforms. And of course, in the UK, we wear uniforms at school. But what about the rest of the world? Do you wear, do kids wear school uniforms in your countries? And what do you think? Do you think they're a good idea? Um, In the UK, I had to wear uh, uniforms in all the schools I went to. Um, In my primary school, I had to wear like grey shorts or trousers and a, a, a light blue polo top. Uh, in my secondary school, uh, we had to wear um yeah i wore we had to wear black trousers or gray trousers, uh, a white or gray shirt, um, a tie which was black with diagonal red stripes on it, and a black blazer you know it's basically like a jacket like a suit jacket, a black blazer with the school badge uh, um, sewn onto the front pocket, and that was our school uniform for boys the girls. Um, they basically were allowed to wear a sort of dress thing, which was, uh, blue and white or, or red and white striped dress, or they had a gray skirt, which had to go below the knee. They weren't allowed to wear the, uh, a skirt that was higher than the knee. It had to go below the knee, a uh, pair of long gray socks pulled up just under the knee, um, and, uh, a gray or white blouse and a blazer as well. Some of them wore a tie they didn't have to wear a tie but they had to wear the blazer so that's the school uniform in the uk um so um i don't really think there's anything wrong with it with wearing a school uniform and in fact it probably does give the students slightly more equal status And it may encourage a closer sense of community in the school. Also, there's a certain discipline, I think, in having to prepare specific clothes for your day every morning. It's a good thing to learn, I suppose, to have... I think it's important to have some discipline uh, as a kid when you're growing up as part of your education. And having to wear a uniform is perhaps part of that. I didn't mind wearing a uniform. I never really questioned it. Uh, I I never really considered the idea of it being banned. The worst thing for me about wearing a uniform was that it was a bit uncomfortable, particularly if I'd been playing football during the lunch break. We always played football, especially in the summer, In the lunch break, and I'd get all hot, and and the trousers, you know, were made of like, I don't know what they were made of, like cotton and nylon or something. They would tend to be pretty uncomfortable, and having to wear a tie and everything, it was horrible and uncomfortable. But that's the worst thing about it from uh, the child's point of view. Um, I don't, um, I, I think you're right. Kids might find it more difficult if they're judged on their clothes. So uniforms do help to let kids sort of blend in with the crowd. I think that it's still possible to work out, uh, you know, if if a child comes from a poor family, by looking at their uniform. You know, you can tell they are just they have cheap shoes. The uniforms normally not quite as nice as other people's uniforms. But I think it's probably a good thing a uniform. So that's my basic opinion. Um, okay, so let me move on to the next uh, next question. And and um, my laptop is really hot. That is so that my laptop is so hot right now, and and i, I don't mean it 's like you know popular and fashionable, you know that like oh my God, my laptop is so hot right now in Hollywood, no, I mean it's just literally the temperature of the laptop is really high, everything is hot, everything in here is hot, whatever I touch it it's all really hot. this is crazy um let 's move on to the next question. And uh, this is from Dasha. And I realized that I wrote, uh, Dasher, I wrote your name wrong as well in the article because your surname is Trusova. Uh, you wrote Trusova Dasha, and I wrote, Hi, Trusova. Oh, a sort of cultural error there, I suppose. Anyway, Dasha is from Moscow. And uh, Dasha says, I know you are active in social networks. Is it difficult to combine a teacher and uh, blogger's activities? Well, I'm not actually a blogger or a podcaster, but that's okay. Um, Basically, is it hard to combine being a teacher and being a a podcaster or blogger? Um, No, it's not, to be honest. It's not really that hard for me. The the main thing is time, obviously. You know, the more time I have, the better. And if I'm doing internet stuff and I'm also doing teaching stuff, then it means that I have less time. But um, no, it's not difficult to combine these things because um, they're transferable. For example, stuff that I end up coming up with for the podcast sometimes feeds into my lessons. Like, when I prepare podcast episodes, I tend to get quite deeply into a subject. Like, recently I did ones about uh, politics and about telling jokes. And so now I feel like um, I could very easily just produce lessons about politics or jokes without having to do all that research, because I've already done it, you see. So it's a sort of a good way of keeping myself ready for... Uh, preparing new lessons also it goes the other direction. Um, sometimes I will spend a lot a lot of time teaching a particular subject in my classes, and then, after having done it lots of times, I can then easily turn it into a podcast so it 's not something that 's difficult in fact it 's uh it 's really pretty straightforward um, uh Oh, okay. I, that, I just came up with that answer off the top of my head, just here and now. But I did actually write an answer, so let me just read that to you. It's probably going to be the same kind of thing. Here we go. Um, it's not hard to combine my teaching and my, and my online work. Generally, they don't affect each other, and I keep them separate. Okay, um, is that what I just? Is that the same thing that I just said? Um, I don't use my episodes in class or extracts from them. And in fact, I rarely tell my students about my website until the end of the course. This is because I don't want them to feel pressured to listen to it. I don't want them to feel like they have to listen to it. And also, it could be a bit awkward if they listen to it and they don't like it, and then they have to see me and stuff, you know. Uh, also, uh, I don't necessarily want to. I don't necessarily want them all to hear certain things, like some of the more crazy episodes, or personal stories, or rude language, and stuff like that. Um, at, at, I don't want them to hear that at the beginning of the course because you know, I'm trying to present myself as a serious and business-like person. Sometimes my students already know who I am. Um, Others only realise who I am after a while. For example, once I was teaching in London, and at the end of the course, I told the students about my podcast, and one of the girls in the class nearly, uh, she gasped. She (gasps) like that. She gasped, uh, because she was a regular listener to my podcast, and after two weeks in my class, she hadn't realised it was me. She nearly fell off her chair. It was hilarious. So there's me in the class going, oh, by the way, just, you know, at the end of the course, just if you want to continue to improve your English, it's a good idea to listen to podcasts. You can listen to these BBC ones, or you can listen to mine. And uh, yes, I have a podcast, and it's called Luke's English Podcast. And one of the students was like, <gasps> like that. And I was like, you didn't, didn't realise it was me. How could you not realise it was me? Um, and apparently she didn't. So there you go. So so basically, I'm, I'm mainly concerned about the image my students will have of me if they listen to my podcast. Uh, and I did mention the fact that sometimes I can kind of, you know, do the same things in epi- in lessons and episodes of this podcast. Uh, here's one from um, Sogik Badalyan from Moscow. And the question is, if you could live the same day over and over again What would you prefer to do on this day? Um, And so here's my answer. And I said, what? You mean like the film Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Do you know that film? It's a great film. It's about Bill Murray. He wakes up and has to live the same day again and again and again and again. And it's brilliant. It's very funny and also quite touching. Anyway, so I, I said, if I had to live the same day over and over again, I'd probably do lots of different things every day to make it feel like I was actually living a life even though, in fact, I was repeating the same day over and over again. I'd try and do something different every time. Then I would learn how to do things really well, like Bill Murray does in the film. I'd probably learn how to become an amazing pianist or something. I'd try and enjoy myself. I'd record an episode of Luke's English Podcast every day, although I I don't know if that would help. I suppose in the real world, everyone else would just get like an infinite number of podcasts uploaded all in the same day, because it's just me repeating the same day and recording a new podcast every time. So that would be quite good, I suppose. Thank you for the question. Let's move on to the next one. And this is from um, Ludmila Guseva. And uh, she's from the Moscow region. And she says, Luke, to be or not to be, what does it mean for you? Thanks a lot in advance for your answer. So, to be or not to be, which is, of course, a quote from Hamlet by William Shakespeare. I think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just change the music a little bit here. A little bit of a musical different change. Okay. Um, So, Hamlet by Shakespeare, of course, to be or not to be, um, which is an existential question that he asks himself when he's contemplating suicide, Hamlet. He goes, you know, basically, it's to be or not to be. Is it better to sort of um, kill yourself or live a horrible life? Isn't that it, basically? Anyway, I guess we're talking about the meaning of existence here, aren't we, really? What's the meaning of life for me? Well, I'm not really sure what this is all about, what this whole existence thing is all about. It's pretty weird, isn't it? It's quite random that we're just here and we don't know why. Um, Even though some people say that they know, but I don't think they really do. Uh, I think they're probably just saying that because they, they need to know something. So they're just like, uh, well, we don't know, therefore, okay, here's the reason, because we just need to have a reason. I'm not one of those people. Um, I, In fact, I have a feeling that the whole of the universe is not really united in one single purpose. I think it's pretty random. Um, either that or we just have no ability to understand the complexity of the universe. In fact, the universe could just um, exist in a... a, a, a Exist for a reason, or have some function, or something that's completely beyond our ability to understand it. You know, like um, if you if you go really, 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 really small, if you look at a bit of dust in the corner of the room, and you go really, really small and examine it, it's almost like a whole universe in itself. When you get down to like the micro nano level or whatever, you know, you get microorganisms, and you know, it's completely um, like a complete little world there, just in a bit of dust. And you think, do they have any idea? Do these microorganisms have any idea that they are just a tiny part of a much bigger context? And there's a person here called Luke who's recording episodes of a podcast and it's being downloaded on a thing called the internet. Probably not. They've probably got no clue at all. Maybe they're not even able to see or sense what's going on around them. Sometimes I I think that's maybe the same thing for us, that we just have no ability to See the the, the the much bigger picture. The universe is absolutely huge. There are more stars... There are more stars in the, in the sky... Than there are grains of sand... On every beach in the world combined. Okay? There are more stars in the sky... Than there are... Uh, individual words that have been spoken... By every single person in the world ever. That gives you an idea of just how big... This universe is and how small we really are. So... I don't know. I, th- I think that we don't really know what, what this is all about. Um, um, so maybe we just have no ability to understand the complexity of existence. There may even be parallel worlds or things that we just can't even see. You know, physics and astrophysics are fascinating to me because they really could learn. You know, these scientists really could learn about what the universe is really doing and how it works one day. Uh, does it Does it mean anything, though? I'm not sure. Uh, on a personal level, I think we all have a choice to make. Um, on um, We we can choose to, to make life run in any way that we want it, really. We can choose to be positive and take some control over our lives. It doesn't necessarily have to mean anything more than just making yourself happy and trying to increase the happiness of those around you. I think that's probably what it's about for me. Thank you very much for your question. Um next one is from andre in the moscow region and he said hi luke what should be done to avoid racism in the world uh to 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 prevent racism in the world i would i would say really um well andre am i the guy to 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 be the one to answer this question i'll give it a go um so i think well to to sort of prevent racism I think it's really about just opening your mind and actually having a look around, and seeing people from different places, and actually experiencing life in different parts of the world, and realizing that we're all not that different, and that racism basically comes from from a position of fear, and a position of loss of control, and a position of ignorance, and that that it doesn't make sense to be racist, and ultimately, uh, it's completely insane. You know, for example, just the idea that you could maybe wipe out. Um, the, the ethnicities that you don't really like, for whatever reason, it's completely mad, isn't it? I mean, it, it's totally insane. Um, so I think travelling and meeting people is important. That tends to make you realise that people around the world are not that different, really, and they're all entitled to the same treatment as everyone else. It doesn't help when racism is used by leaders to claim power over their own people. I think that's a common way to get power, just blame all the problems on foreign people and use the fear of foreigners to sort of whip up nationalist sentiment and support for the present government. That's often used and it sort of, you know, allows racism to thrive. Um, I think to battle it, we need to make sure that we have a fully, a fully free press, that means fully sort of um, free journalists, and we also need to educate children against racist attitudes. And I think, really, that's, it's just a, a case of simply allowing people to know more about other cultures. There's not really any uh, secret to it. It's just education. And the more people know, the, I, I think the less racist they'll be. So it's just about education and opening people's minds. Um, so there you go. Thanks for the question. Uh, here's another one from Ludmilla. Uh, and she says, Luke, which is better, to teach or to learn, or to learn while teaching? Will you share your ideas and experience? Thanks in advance. Well, um, I've certainly learned a lot from teaching. Um, generally, I find that if I want to get to know a subject really, really well, I'll, I'll teach it. For example, I'll just prepare to teach about um, gun control in the USA and um, just, I'll be forced to really get to know the subject very well. It, it forces you to really understand the subject. Um, so teaching is a great way of learning something. As a learner, I find it harder to get the motivation to do research, just if I'm just learning on my own. But as a teacher. I do my research incredibly quickly and effectively because I've got a time deadline. And also, there's that factor of like, I don't want to make a fool of myself. You know, I must know what I'm talking about. So, having, uh, having to teach the subject gives you a great incentive to learn about it. So, I think that teaching, in a way, is the best because not only can you teach, but you can also learn while you're doing it. So, so there you go. Um, Badal- Badalian. I think that's the name from Moscow. Hello. Hello, Luke. If you were given a book with the story of your life, would you read it to the end? Um, would... So, if I was given a book with the story of my life, would I read it to the end? So, basically, would I like to know about how my life ends? Well, no. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't read the book. I don't want to know that yet because I think everything has, everything has its right time. And I would prefer to discover my life story as it actually happens. Also, I don't want to be constantly expecting the end scene to arrive. If you can imagine, like you, you find out how you die and you remember the place where it happens, you'd probably try and avoid that place, wouldn't you? It would be really weird if you suddenly found yourself in that place. You'd be like, I've been trying to avoid this place, but it's been impossible today. Because then you get the horrible sensation you were going to die. It, no, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I think innocence is bliss. But thank you for your question. It's a very interesting one. Um, This question is from Ivanova Evgenia. So I think it's Evgenia is is the first name. Um, Hello, Luke. I know that you're a teacher. Yep. Uh, If you had the chance to return to the past, what would you tell people about... (laughs) If you had a chance to return to the past, would you tell people about the future huh, okay, If so I imagine I could go back to the past. Would I tell people about the future? Oh, I'd be very tempted. But I think if I could return to the past, uh, I think I wouldn't tell them about the future. Because in the past, uh, depending on when you go back, but uh, for a lot of the past, people didn't really react very well. You know, throughout history, people have not reacted very well to strange-looking people coming and babbling about visions of the future, okay? They tend to react a little strongly to that kind of thing in the past. They might, you know, they might catch me and burn me as a witch or something. So I think I, instead I would travel to the past and then just, just tell the people of the present all about it. So I'd go back to the past and then I'd come back to the present and I'd give them a full first-hand account of what it was like in the past. Because I think a good first-hand account of history can help us to know uh, what, the right thing to do is now. We can learn from the past, and a good first-hand account of what happened can help us to make the right decision now, so that our future is kept safe. So I think the past is something to learn from, and I would try and do it you know, carefully without uh, revealing too many things about the future, because that could upset the space-time continuum, as I'm sure you're, you're aware from the film Back to the Future. Okay, before we carry on, it's time for me to tell you about the one of the UK's favourite books. And um, this is that little bit where I give a bit of uh, publicity to audible.com. Um, you know that I've got like this thing going on. I've got like a thing going on with Audible. If you want to, you can get a free audio book from audible.com. Just use audibletrial, uh, dot, audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. Sign up for a trial and you can download uh, a free audio book. And if you don't like it, you can cancel and you keep the book and you don't spend any money. It's brilliant. Or you can um, just uh, continue with your membership and then you can get another audiobook every month. Um, And uh, which books do I recommend? Well, I'm going through slowly a list of the UK's favourite books, and we're now up to number nine. What is the UK's ninth favourite book? Well, according to this BBC survey, it is The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Um, Now, this is a movie, but if you've only seen the movie, then you haven't really experienced the full power of this story. Um, What's it about? Well, it's about four siblings, um, brothers and and sisters, who enter a wardrobe, like a big wardrobe full of clothing. But the wardrobe is very deep. In fact, it's so deep, it goes all the way back. There's like a corridor and a door at the end. So they go through this wardrobe and they find themselves in Narnia, a magical but dark wintry land ruled by the evil White Witch. In many ways, darker and deeper than the Harry Potter series, This story takes on a life of its own in the reverential and spirited voice of Michael York, who is the actor doing this audio uh, audiobook reading. Michael York's reading of this treasure is is as enchanting as the story. His British accent is fitting, all intonations are perfect, and he adds just the right amount of drama in all the right places. So, why not have your family gather around your favourite speakers, either in the car or at home, uh, for this story, or simply save it for yourself? It is a perfect antidote to a rainy day, or indeed a very hot day. Um, you can download the line The Witch in the Ward- Wardrobe free. Uh, just by starting that 30-day trial with Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke or click one of the Audible buttons on my site. Uh, You can download the book and cancel your membership and so on. I've already said that. Um, That's it then, okay? The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I read that when I was a kid and I really enjoyed it. Um, Some people say it's a metaphor for something else. Uh, I'm not going to share with you what it's a metaphor for, but we'll see. Okay, you just heard a beeping noise, but that's that's okay. That was actually a little countdown timer, which I set up to remind me to do that, uh, to tell you about the Lion, the Witch and the w- Wardrobe, and I've just done it. Okay, all right, let's carry on. Let's carry on. Where were we? Um, so, this is from um, my next listener, uh, and it's Anna from, from uh, the Moscow region again. Lots of people in Moscow. And she says, Hi, Luke, I'd like to ask you a question. How much time does it take you to make your podcasts? Is it difficult? Thank you. Well, hi, Anna. Actually, it takes me a lot of time to make my podcasts. Um, It does depend on the episode because I prepare some episodes more than others. But generally, preparing and recording a podcast, completing all the notes on the website, uploading it, then sharing it via social networks, all of that process can take between three to 10 hours. Some episodes are really easy because i don 't prepare them; They just flow out of my mouth. I just record them. I do some jiggery pokery with the audio files, and then upload them and do a page and do the social networking stuff that sometimes that can take you know just about an hour and a half or something. But other episodes prove to be much harder to manage, either because the subject matter is more complex. Uh, and I need to do more research and preparation, or because of the need to edit the content. Sometimes I do episodes with other people or just episodes on my own, and there's a lot of like special editing that needs to be done, uh, lots of post-production and things like that. So it can take a lot of energy and a lot of time to do my podcast. Sometimes I will get up in the morning, and if I've got the day off, I'll have my breakfast and I'll go upstairs, and I'll think, right, podcast time. You know, it's like 10 o'clock, 10.30 in the morning. And I think, yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get a podcast in before lunch. And I find that I'm finishing it off, uploading it, and, and all that stuff. And it's like 3 4 o'clock p.m. And I've spent six hours on it it's just unbelievable. It Time just disappear, disappears. It's like when I'm doing a podcast, I go into a time vortex and the time just disappears. Usually I start by thinking, okay, which one am I going to do? And I start preparing it. And uh, it just it just eats up time quite a lot of the time. So it can take lots of energy and time to do this. But I like it a lot, of course, and I hope to eventually be rewarded for my work in some way. Certainly my my aim is to be able to do this and pay, and that, so it pays for itself, and so that that time is not wasted time, but it's an investment in my life. You know, I, I might go to work for six hours a day and get paid for it. I would much rather be here uh, in this room doing these podcasts and getting paid. You know, the same amount of money. I would rather be doing this, and I think that you would rather I was doing this too, right? I hope so. Um, so there you go. If you. Um, you can support me. You can support me, but I'm looking also for other ways of kind of like, you know, trying to uh, turn this into a living, as I have said before. This is from Nikita, uh, who's also from Moscow. And he says, hello, Luke. How do you think? Is music a necessary part of our life? Do you often listen to music? And what musical styles do you prefer? do you believe that music helps us to feel better? Thank you for your answer. Well, Nikita, yes, I think music is absolutely vital. It's an absolutely vital uh, part of my life. I constantly have music in my head, just music playing in my brain, my own music, or or music playing through speakers or through my headphones. I also need to play music myself. I just get like a sort of uh, a compulsion. I have to suddenly, like, I have to pick up the guitar... Sometimes it, I just need desperately need to play. Normally it's drumming, because I'm actually a drummer uh, myself, first and foremost, before being a guitarist or anything. Um, but I think that, yeah, drumming is something I have to do, and often I just find myself... just tapping um so yeah music is really 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 important um i i think music is very mysterious um it's it's something innate that we all share um and the language of music is is sort of written into us when we're born and it's all about the way that humans are able to hear certain sounds on in a particular scale it's only something that humans have i think that we're our, our brains are tuned to decode sound in that way Uh, And why it causes such strong emotional responses in us, for me, is a total mystery. Why is it that these notes in this order can make a person cry or make a person dance? You know, I think it's one of the natural wonders of the universe. And uh, I, of course, I think that music um, can make you feel good. I think it's uh, vitally powerful and important in our lives. And if you feel depressed or whatever, just put on a good bit of music, and, and sometimes that's all you need. It's incredibly wonderful and powerful. And just with that in mind, I've just here's a piece of music that I've been listening to a lot recently, and it's it's perfect for this kind of weather. Let's see if I can find it. Okay, I'm going to have to right, I'm going to have to search for it in my. i going to search for it in my phone. This this will take a couple of minutes. Uh, I I use um, my iPhone. And my laptop to listen to music, and these days I've been using the Amazon Music player. And uh, lately, I downloaded loads and loads of Trojan Reggae albums. Trojan are, were a record label based in Jamaica, and some of the best classic sort of reggae, two-tone, scar, dub music was produced on that label. And this is a track that just I've been really into lately. It's just perfect for these summery days. listen to that bass and that organ sound that pow 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 i love it your daddy you shouldn't play with me come on doesn't it make you feel a little bit better If you, and this might not be your kind of your thing. Admittedly, not be. everyone is into this. but I'd be surprised. The sun is, the breeze is blowing I expect that a lot of you out there are into like heavy metal or techno or something. This is my, this is my thing. Okay, that's just a little sample. That was uh, Curly Locks by Junior Biles. And it's, uh, it's available on the Trojan Presents Roots compilation. And the, the, this um, CD compilation, which you can get digitally as well as an MP3, is available on loads of places, Amazon, for example. Uh, and it's got 40 tracks, 40 absolute classics of roots reggae. Uh, I recommend it. So, yes, I love music and it's a vital part of my life. Um, okay, let's have another question. Okay, and the uh, next question is from Lyra. Lyra? Um, from the Tambov region. And the question is um, Luke, uh, you know that there are many kinds of subcultures. If you were a teenager. What subculture would you like to belong to? Thank you. Um, Well, well, well. Uh, Hi, Lyra. I'm well aware of subcultures in the UK, and it's one of my favourite subjects. Um, I did that at university in Liverpool. Um, You know, I studied stuff like subcultures and in popular culture, things like, you know, skinheads and punks and mods and rockers and uh, teddy boys and and, uh, rave and all that kind of thing. Um, So uh, when I was a teenager, I didn't really belong to a particular subculture, but I was sort of somewhere between indie, casual, mod, and sort of retro 70s. Those are rather specific styles, but there are some more well-known subcultures in the UK, as I said, like skinheads and punks. I used to know... Uh, Lots of skinheads and punks in Birmingham. And in fact, I was in a punk band for a while when I was a teenager. Uh, And in my experience, all these skinheads and, you know, uh, punk rockers and stuff were actually all really, really nice and really funny blokes. Um, a lot of my sort of oldest friends used to be uh, punks when they were younger. Um, I love the different subcultures in the UK and their clothing and musical associations, and I think that it would be a good episode of, uh, for this podcast one day. Thank you very much for your question. Um, I think this is the last question I'm going to deal with uh, in this episode now. Uh, this one is from Lily uh, Lilia, uh, and uh, she says, Hi Luke, is it possible to save warm relations... Being in different cities far away from your sweetheart. How do you save this fragile spiritual link from your point of view? Thanks. Well, okay, so this question is about how do you manage to keep up a long term relationship um, with someone who lives very far away? Uh, well, I think it is possible to keep love alive when you live in different cities. Uh, I've done it myself, uh, but it requires communication. And it requires a a long-term plan to be together. Um, I think you can use Skype and other networks like WhatsApp and stuff like that to keep in touch easily. And if you know that you're going to eventually be together, it does make things easier. Uh, Also, you have to make the most of the moments when you see each other. You know, like the airport greetings and those romantic weekends and things. In fact, it can be a a really madly romantic and exciting uh, time and a period that you will always treasure Uh, when you look back on it. So if you can try to find ways of uh, making the most of the time that you have together and finding a long-term plan to eventually be together, I think that it can be all right. In fact, it can be very special. Uh, Thank you for the question. On that subject, um, I met my girlfriend sort of uh, years ago Um, and she was living in Paris and I was living in London. It It took a and uh, uh, quite a few years of me sort of travelling to France on the Eurostar and her travelling to London on the Eurostar. The Eurostar basically did very well out of our relationship. Um, but those weekends and little holidays that we had, they were really great. And we look back on it now, although it was difficult, as uh, just a really special time in our relationship. Um, so there you go. And in fact, we're getting married uh, in, oh, well, just uh, just over a week so, um, it just proves that it's possible to make it work. Um, that I think is the end of this, ed- this part. Um, so I'm just writing that on the page for this episode, end of part two. So I've got loads more questions, which I'll have to deal with in future episodes of the podcast. Um, if you listen to recent episodes, you'll also know I've got a big list of, um, of, uh, 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 fixed phrases that I'll be going through in future episodes. I'm glad that uh, people enjoyed listening to, to Paul and me talking about 10 fixed phrases in, I think, the last episode of this podcast. Uh, so there'll, there'll be more stuff on phrases like that. Also, I'll deal with more questions that I've had from this list and also the questions that have been sent to me on the, the podcast uh, website. Uh, and, of course, there'll be other uh, subjects coming up in in future episodes of Luke's English Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to another episode uh, and all that remains for me to say now is a very nice and warm uh, thank you and goodbye. So here it is. Uh, wait a minute, before I do that, let, let's have a little bit more music. I just feel like playing a little bit more of that stuff we were listening to earlier. I know that I'm a yeah. Your daddy say you shouldn't play with me. Still, somebody. love. Know that I'm a Yeah, let's have another bit. Every track, every track is a winner on this compilation. Here's one of my brother's favorites that you might know already. Produced by Lee Scratch Perry. This is the Congo's and it's it's called Row Fisherman Row. You've heard this on the podcast before, perhaps a little bit. Unique music. Thanks for listening to another episode of this podcast. There'll be more stuff in the future, but for now, goodbye. Bye bye bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quins.